Hey folks, Josh here. This fall at Gen Con, the largest tabletop gaming convention in the world, our show will be hosting its very first live recording session, taking place August 2nd at 8 p.m. in the Crown Plaza Hotel in Indianapolis. This show will include a one-time recording of a What's in the Rift one-shot, as well as a prize drawing amongst ticketed guests where we'll be handing out exclusive What's in the Rift Gen Con 2024 custom t-shirts, as well as a Cortex Prime RPG handbook signed by the system's creator, Cam Banks. Tickets are $6 and available via Gen Con's events page. You can find more information and a link to the sales portal at rift.show forward slash live. We can't wait to see you there. Rusty Quill presents. Hey folks, Josh here. I'm going to try and keep this short as I want to leave as much time for a chapter one finale as I possibly can. Today, we're bringing you a promo for a personal favorite show of mine, Desert Skies. All by himself and with no other cast to speak of, Jared has put together one of the funniest and most endearing shows in all of podcasting. I'd put it up against Midnight Burger or really any of your other heavy hitters in this audio space. You don't have to take my word for it. Check it out. Here's Desert Skies. Where am I? Welcome to Desert Skies, traveler. Your journey through the physical plane has come to an end. I am the attendant. My colleague here is the mechanic. Yo, this is your last stop on your way to the great beyond. It's our job to make sure you're prepared for the ride. Now, before hitting the road, we have an impressive selection of over 34 varieties of microwavable burritos. Um, what, what, what's going on? There's gotta be a better afterlife than this. I mean, come on! Uh, that's offensive. Something seems to be wrong with me. You left something major undone. I have a life outside of this gas station, you know. You quite literally do not. Any hobbies? Nope. Ever travel? Nope. Love interest? Are you kidding? Oh my god. You're like the human version of a plain bagel. Cash register. How can I help you, attendant? Play some music? You got it. It's kind of funny, though. What I needed wasn't back there. It was here, waiting for me. I wonder what it feels like, Mac, to miss the physical plane, the people... You left behind? You know, I had a wife who died three years ago. Wish I could go back. No, you don't need to go back. You just need to be here. And a new traveler approaches. Ready, team? Ready. Good. Let's do this. Find Desert Skies wherever you listen to podcasts. And now, Breakthrough. The finale of the first chapter of What's in the Rift. For the best listening experience, we recommend headphones. Previously on What's in the Rift. I am Dima. And you are? I'm Bruce. May I offer you a drink? My name is Alana, and I'm, well, I... Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm an anthropologist. Alana? Yes. Alana Ritzkoff. It, it, it's destiny. Can't you see? 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 see, see. No. I certainly believe that you are fucking with me. And you feel yourself standing up and backing away from the table. And as you do, things start to fade. And before you know it, everything around you is black again. 
did you materialize in the front seat of this car? Oh, like I said, I was shot. 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 Magic is not some this is some real magic showing up in a car from 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 a messiah. I would like to put my two cents in. I would actually like to agree with Gypsum on this one. If someone appeared in my car randomly, I would probably hit them with a wrench too. Thank I'm you. honestly kind of surprised I didn't hit you. This message reads... Successful interlace event recorded. Entity AR2517 set to redundancy. In the event of individual instability, be advised... Pruning is preferable to severance. <laughs> Your car starts to lean and oh, tip forward, and Herman, who's unsecured in the back, comes flying towards the front of the car and hits the back of the front seats. And that impact sends the car flying forward. Rift is a machine designed to kill agency. If, if, it's, if it's allowed to finish what it's doing... We're all fucked. We're all locked forever into the choices that have already been made for us. You've got to stop him. You've got to kill the guy responsible for this. You, You have to kill Dima Volkov. What's in the Rift is intended for mature audiences. This show includes death, drug use, criminal activity, and a consistent undercurrent of existential dread. Any children discovered listening to this show will get the hammer. Our story continues with a recently unconscious Jackie McLeod slowly coming to near a burning car at the bottom of a nearly dry canal in a very strange Orlando, Florida. Jackie, the first thing that you notice as you come to is that the entire back half of your body is cold and wet while the entire front half of your body feels like it is on fire. You can see the pink stain of a bright light on the other side of your eyelids. And as you raise your hand up out of whatever pool it is laid in, you can feel the skin taut and cracking as you raise it up above your elbow. The last thing you remember was yelling for Blanche to stop. What had gotten into her, you don't know. But it ended with you going nose down. It was the last thing that you recall because it just goes black from there. You can feel the thud in your head as the blood coursing through your skull feels like it is trying to separate the bone. It is painful, beyond painful. But you're alive and you're moving. You can hear Herman over the noise of a fire. You can hear Blanche talking too, 
but there's a third voice that you don't recognize. Jackie, you have an overwhelming urge to open your eyes, but it is difficult. We're going to have a test off the bat here for you to be able to come to enough to get up and interact or at least open your eyes and draw attention to yourself. This is going to be a D8 challenge with the additional crisis of the medical emergency still ongoing. All right. I think we'll go with against the odd survivor. Ace is probably there beside me. You can hear him whining. All right. And then um, I will use healer as I self-evaluate. Okay. I have rolled a six, and you'll need to beat that. Eleven. Okay. You've not only beaten it, but you've earned yourself a heroic success. Tell me what happens here. You are able to bring yourself back to enough consciousness that you can wake up, but you are in an immense amount of pain right now. I will uh, lever myself up on my elbows and glance over as I slowly peel my eyes open. (coughs) Jackie, as you open your eyes, there is a flaming car, the car that you were just in last you remember, and it is nose down about 20 yards away from you and completely consumed in flames. You're set up a few feet away from the rest of the group, but as you get yourself up on your elbows, the first thing that you encounter isn't the rest of the people that you came here with, but Ace. And Ace is whining, and every time that his cool, wet nose makes contact with your skin, you feel a fresh little jab as the burns there are prodded. Blanche, you look over and in a break from Herman rambling on about whatever nonsense he's come up with now, you see Jackie and she looks rough. Bruce, same boat. Whoever this woman that you dragged out with the help of her dog, that dog is now pushing into her and whining and prodding her like there is something still wrong. I naturally walk over to investigate what is going on, and is there anything that I can see other than she's obviously been burnt that would be distressing for the dog? No. You know that Herman crashed down on the back of her head. You know that there is likely some amount of concussive damage there, just based on the fact that she was unconscious. But you're not a doctor, and you're not quite certain. The dog seems really agitated. But maybe it's agitated because she was knocked out for so long, and it's excited that she's awake. You're not sure. I'm keeping in mind that what just happened and the blunt force trauma she took to her head in the shape of Herman, and the fact that we, like, crashed the car and the dog is distressed, I'm going to try to remember what she did to examine Herman in the closet. Okay. We didn't get her bag out of the car, did we? Her bag is burnt to a crisp, huh? Probably. Okay, so I kneel down and I take my fingers and run them across her field of vision. Are you totally awake? Can you hear me? Can you see my fingers? Yes, I can can hear and see you. 
How are you feeling? Does it look like I feel good? No, it doesn't look like you feel good, but I, I gotta hear you say things. Just talk to me. Is it okay if I, I poke around at your head? And I immediately, without waiting for her to respond, start like rubbing on her scalp and like pressing gently for any sort of ow reaction. Jackie, as she's kind of ham-handedly working at your scalp, you do get an ow reaction as you get around to the back of her head. Not the exact same spot that Herman had his injury, but the back of her skull is swollen and tender, and, and indeed, when she puts her hands there, Jackie, it is very painful. Do I get any blood on my hands when I take pull them away? You do. You have a little bit of blood on your fingers. There is some blood in Jackie's hair. Okay, you're the doctor. Tell me what I'm looking for. I remember what you did, but I'm not 100% sure what I'm looking for. But you did say, ow, when I touched the back of your head, and now I've got some blood on my hands. It's just a little bit. Don't freak out. What do I need to do for you? Calm down. I am calm. Do you have my bag? Uh, sadly, it's been a bit disintegrated. Why don't you say that and look back over your shoulder, and the car itself is still burning as intensely as it was shortly after you pulled Herman from here. Find some clean cloth and press it to the wound on the back of my head. Let's see how bad it is. Sir, did I ever get your name? Bruce, I gave you my business card. Right. (laughs) Right, because I'm reading business cards while my car is on fire and my friends are potentially burning alive inside. Bruce, can you tear off a piece of your shirt for me, please? I don't know if this is clean. I've been sweating through this for the past few hours. It's as clean as we're going to get. It's a light color. Please tear off a piece of your shirt for me. Is that something a person could just do? Tear a shirt? It's a, it's a thing people can just do. I, I'm trying. <laughs> Bruce, you did manage to open a door that was badly damaged just a few minutes ago. You're feeling yourself right now. Do you want to give it a roll? Sure. <laughs> All right. Very beatable. You have to beat a seven. I think consummate nerd speaks to why he needs to make this roll. And then can I use my relationship to Blanche? Sure. Uh, you don't know who Blanche is yet, though, do you? I guess not. I've not said my name, have I? So Jackie. Do you know Jackie? I don't, don't think he does either. You have a relationship to... Scout Bobber and Veranom, as you know them. I don't think either one of you said your name on the road. Uh, right. I will go for pragmatism then. What about the dog? Can he have a relationship with the dog? Because he worked with him to <laughs> my coworker. You <laughs> could spend he could spend three plot points to establish a relationship with the dog. That does sound useful. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll go ahead and do that. Aww. <laughs> that's a four. Wait, no, that's a five and two complications. <laughs> okay. Um, Bruce, you're you're definitely feeling confident about this newfound strength that you have. Perhaps you're starting to develop superpowers much like Steve from the Blizzard. You did just rip a door open on a burning car 
you reach down and you untuck the shirt from your pants, pull it out past your belt, and you grip it with both fists and begin to tear. But it's not really giving the way that you expect it to. You go to yank it as hard as you possibly can. And in doing so, you snag a fingernail and your hand slides down your polyester blend and it rips. And you now have a ripped fingernail, a D8 ripped fingernail. And if this shirt indeed was usable beforehand, it's now also coated in your own blood. I don't know if polyester rips like, oh, mother donker, my nail. Um, shoot, okay. It's a hangnail, you'll be fine. I do have a handkerchief. Yes. I don't think I've had the sniffles today. That'll be better than the canal water you shirt. You told me to rip my shirt. Bruce, can I have your handkerchief, please? Bruce hands the handkerchief over. I take the handkerchief and press it gently on the back of her head. You press the handkerchief to the back of her head, and there's only a little bit of blood there. Whatever it is, it seems to be a mostly superficial cut. The problem for you, Jackie, is that when she presses on that, you feel a mass. You feel a knot on your skull, and it feels sizable. Sizable enough that your medical expertise would tell you that this probably is a head injury, as if you have not had enough of those tonight. You don't consider it to be anything near as serious as what Herman was dealing with, but you also know that anyone that's suffering from that type of head injury can't really do an accurate self-diagnosis. Well, from the little amount of blood, I don't think it's an open wound. But from the feel of what you touched, I'm thinking I probably am least concussed. So So, I can't let you sleep for a while? Yeah, and you need to keep an eye on me, yeah. Okay, and you shouldn't move you? As long as, you know, you don't see me, like, starting to pass out as I'm standing, we should be good. Okay, let's try to get you up slowly. Do you feel up to it? Yeah, let's try and stand. Here, take, take this hand. Mind the nail. <laughs> the two of you managed to help Jackie to her feet. As you're doing this, you hear Herman pipe back up, though. It's not like I was trying to tell you something with my literal dying breaths here or anything, but sure, yeah, I guess your groggy friend is up. Bruce holds up his hand. We're all dying here, man. Bruce, I don't think you're dying. Herman, we're coming. She needs to hear this. As we slowly advance toward Herman, I explain to Jackie that he was telling us that the rift is dangerous and we have to kill somebody named Dima. Yeah, how, how do you know Dima Volkov? Here's what I know. The rift is a machine that is going to break everything. It's going to make everything that will be done not matter. Whatever you're already doing on it is what it's supposed to do. And what does Dima have to do with it? I don't fully know, but I know that he is responsible. I met Dima, and I the moment I said the word destiny, he immediately took a strong dislike to me. I don't think that guy believes in destiny like you're talking about. I don't know who he is. If you know him, then you need to kill him. 
you will end all of this. Uh, ladies? Who is this guy? I mean, people don't normally just go around saying you need to kill somebody. We can explain more later, Bruce. Right now we need to get as much as we can from him. What else can you tell us, Herman? What do you mean it's doing what it's supposed to do? Or we're doing what we're supposed to do in it? You can see blood starting to dribble from the corners of Herman's mouth. And Jackie, everything that you know about this, if he's bleeding from his mouth, if there's blood that's accumulating in his airways, he shouldn't be as coherent as he's being right now. But he continues. There's 12 steps in this story. And the last piece of it is the piece that ends all of this. It's already started. Jackie, looking at him, he should be unconscious by your estimation. There is now a a copious amount of blood coming from his mouth with every word that he speaks. You notice that there's a sallow tint to his skin. It's grown grayish, and his lips, where they're not covered by blood, have taken on a bluish tint. How do we stop it? If you want to stop it, you're going to have to undo what was done. The last words come with a cascading effect over his features. It's almost like you're watching a television screen fade out from being on until it's just a pinpoint of white light. His eyes go blank and his face starts to slacken until the only thing that's really moving about Herman is the rise and fall of his chest and the gurgling that escapes his mouth with his last few ragged breaths. Jackie, you lean close. You know that this is a death rattle, but you can tell that Herman is still trying to speak, and you just hear him saying the same things over and over again. You have to. to be undone. Until he says no more. Herman lays there, unresponsive, no longer breathing, at the bottom of a canal that shouldn't exist, in a night that shouldn't have happened, in a place that up until you all met could not have possibly come to be. As you look around, you can see the incongruity of the environment. There's buildings that don't make sense, buildings that are in horrible disrepair, jammed up to buildings that look new and sleek and modern and inhabited. You see roads that end abruptly cascading into this canal that you have driven into. You see scrawled in large letters immediately across on the other side of the canal, Three words that appear to be partially cut off. Converge. Diverge. Apart. And it's at that moment, Bruce, that you hear a ding. The same ding that brought you out of the void. It has finally caught up to you now that you're here, wherever here is. And Blanche, you know that ding. It's the sound of somebody being messaged on the rift. And this stranger that's come to help you and Jackie and Herman, 
they don't seem all of a sudden like the same kind of stranger that they were just a few seconds ago. That that noise, that's that's the rift. What do you mean that's the rift? You know the rift? Yeah, I'm getting a message on it right now. I I came here to meet some people, but the hammer that he was talking about, you're supposed to see that hammer. I don't know if he's who I was supposed to meet. Wait, who are you? Are you Palakis? Wait, no. If you were supposed to meet for the hammer, then you couldn't be Palakis because you would have the hammer. You know Palakis? Yeah. I, I'm Snowden Signal. Veranom. Oh! Ja- Jackie here is Scout Bobber. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> that's, that's why I was here. We found one, Jackie. That's why we I just appeared one. here. What? What? What, what happened to the other others? Well, I told you I was in that gelato place, but... Gel- gelato place? Yeah, like I said, that's where I was before I was here. I was with Court. We, we went to the address, and there was just a very rude little girl, but I don't think she was on the rift. And then the... Oh, my gosh. The letter... Oh, no. Oh, no. Why are you worried about the mail at a time like this? Oh, oh my God. I I got a letter. Uh, it's just Demas. I, I'm sorry. I, I'm not making much sense. No, no, you're not. You know Court from the Rift. The Court uh, on the Rift? Yeah. We went to the apartment. There was a girl. She gave me a letter from a woman named Alana. And then... When we met Jason, he transported me, and I met that man, Demas. And he transported you to Dima. And Alana. And I'd never met Alana, but I had gotten a letter from her. But they still have the letter. Okay. And I thought I was destined to be there, but maybe you needed my help more? What did the letter say? Bruce, you recount the letter to Blanche. You cover the wizard Sunjia, Lai Bojing, the drawings of minds, and all the other details therein. To the best of your recollection, because the letter is wherever you left it, in the Grandestina that was not the Grandestina that you knew. And I, I think she maybe kind of recognized it, but she didn't know who I was then. That Demas guy got really angry because I said that it was destiny that I met them there and called me a fool. Got mad at her for sharing details about their work. Well, what was their work? Did they say? Memory loss? Aphasia? Bruce, you still have that message from the Rift waiting on your phone. Your friend... Your friend who just passed said the rift was dangerous. Think I should look at the message on there? Well, right now we still don't know where the others are, and maybe they could help us figure this out. So I think you should look. If you want to give it to me, I'll look. I'll tell you what it says. (laughs) What do you think, Scout Bobber? Oh, you can call me Jackie. I think at this point we should look. All right. Chris will open up the message. You have a direct message from Court on the Rift. Their online indicator reads green. And the message itself says, I'm in a car with some friends. 
Where are you at? It's just, it's just court. I think it's okay. What, what does it say? It says she's in a car with some friends. Maybe she found everybody else? Well, ask where she is. Maybe they can come to us. Bruce will send. I found Veranon and Scout Bobber. We're kind of trapped in a canal. Where are you? <laughs> Court, you're sitting in a car with two strangers and a woman who is moaning raggedly in the back seat still after all this time. Your new friend just convinced another person not to hit you with a rather comically large wrench. Suffice to say, it's been a pretty weird night. So it's almost welcome when you get the ding back on your phone indicating that you've received a message on the rift. It's been some time since you sent that message, but here Bruce has finally responded, and you get the message, I found Veranam and Scout Bobber. We're kind of trapped in a canal. Where are you? Oh, oh, good news. I got a message back from Bruce. What's it say? There's good news and bad news. So apparently Bruce has met up with more of our friends from the Rift. Who does he meet? It looks like Bruce has managed to find uh, Veranom and Scott Bobber. That's everybody. So the bad news is they're kind of in a canal. A canal? Where? Oh, let me ask real fast. And Court types in, which canal? Jackie, uh, are, are you from here? Do you know where this is? No, this is not like my Florida. Not like my Florida either. We were following GPS. Yeah, her phone didn't even show this. It was supposed to be the main road through here. That explains a lot. <laughs> I'm going to share my location, but uh, let me just add this. Be careful. There is a canal. Maybe no road. We have confirmed there is indeed a canal uh, in another location, so we can go find them. Dope. Okay, but first we gotta we gotta get rid of this lady. Like, what can we do with this lady? Oh, we could bring her along. No, absolutely not. This is an adventure. We're not bringing Glenda. How, how does she? How is she looking? Glenda is still suffering, obviously, and the kind of suffering that isn't a physical malady. She's no longer actively trying to harm herself. She looks like she's suffering from some type of mental breakdown. Glenda, let me explain things. <laughs> we have to go do something really important, and we can't have anybody breaking down mentally in the back of the car that we are driving to do that thing. So, um, Gypsum. Is there a hospital around here? Or Gypsum could just take her. I mean, it's his wife. That's less That's our true, problem and more his problem. He didn't really seem to care too much. What if we just drop her off at the hospital on the way? Can one of you search for one? My phone is still not working. Gypsum comes rounding out of the building and he's holding something over his head. Not anything as threatening as the giant wrench that he had previously, but he does look like he is just tickled pink. As he comes up to the car as you're playing with your cell phone... He stops and he goes, oh, you've got one of these too. And he holds up in his hand what appears to be a rather new cell phone. This thing is fucking wild. 
I know you got one that that does stuff that's that's pretty nice, but you haven't seen what this one does yet. And he holds it up to his face and he goes, "Hey, boo boo." And the phone lights up. Hey, you see that? Now you can uh, ask a chit. Hey, Boo-Boo, you know how when you're tossing stones and you've got a really good one that never lands cockeye, someone always tries to steal that shit. Why is that? I have found several relevant results on the web. Please select a story from the screen. <laughs> then look at this. You can just press them and it comes up and there's like a whole like story that people have written about this shit. And I haven't found one specifically to what I said, but... <laughs> This shit is fucking magic. I found this phone. It was plugged into something on the wall there. I picked it up and this thing fell out of it and it, it like lit up. It says welcome and then it says to set up your new device and blah, blah, blah. And I go through all this shit and it says, if you'd like to use your assistant, simply say, hey, boo boo, and ask it a question. And I fucking did it and it answered me. That's really cool. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Watch this one. It seems to know fucking everything. Hey, boo-boo, what's going on with how messed up everything is right now? Nothing makes sense anymore. I have found several relevant results on the web. Please select a story from the screen. Yeah, and it's just got, like, all these things and, like, it was a self-help suicide hotline. What the fuck is that? But anyways, it's pretty cool. You all get a notification whose sound you've become very familiar with at this point. And that sound is of a new post on the rift. Court's going to pull out her phone and take a quick look to see what the message says. Maybe it's from Bruce. Court, you're looking at this message, and it looks like every post you've ever seen on the rift. Unlike the last one, it does not have legible words other than the long string of nonsense words. It has a set of coordinates again attached to it, and it's got a third section... And in this third section, there are two codes. One is familiar to you, and one is not. They read AR0067 and AR13117. Okay, can we uh, get rid of the panic attack and figure this out on the way to that pen? Yeah, Gypsum, can you take her to the hospital? I think yeah, she Bruce, needs... Where's the hospital and take your wife there? You, you think that boo-boo would know? I mean, you said it knows everything. Well, all right. Hey, boo-boo. Where's the nearest hospital? I found one hospital listing in your area at 1.2 miles away. This is the only listing in the surrounding 50 miles. This location's hours are not available, and it may not be open when you arrive. Would you like me to provide driving directions? Do I hit the start thing, or what? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You'll have to give me directions, though. The trip to the hospital is short, but uneventful. Really, the only thing of note to you, Jenny, as you're driving, is that you can't shake the feeling that you're passing through a bunch of areas that you don't belong. There's some visual indicators that there are boundaries or other differences that you're encountering on this journey, but there's no impediments. There's nothing stopping you from moving to this hospital. You you arrive and there's no hospital here. There's just another burned out building, the same kind of burned out building 
that has dotted every one of these streets that you've passed so far, save for the few that appear to be just like every other street in Orlando that you are familiar with. But this one indeed is not. It's a husk, an abandoned part of what was once a thriving city, but the architecture here is three to four decades out of date. The buildings themselves are crumbling, and the roads as you cross them are hazardous. I'm just going to pull up slowly in front. I'm assuming, like, it used to be a hospital, right? So it probably still has, like, that rotunda thing or whatever it's called. I'm just going to kind of pull up there and stop and then look back at Court and Tosca. What is happening? What? Where is everything? This is where the hospital's supposed to be, yeah? Uh, yeah. That's, uh, that's what Boo-Boo's telling me, at least. Sorry there's not a hospital here, but we really have to go. Uh, Glenda and Gypsum, please... Let's get out. What? Tasia, what, what are you going to leave me here? I mean, we could kick Glenda out. She doesn't seem to be... Hey, I mean, I just want the panic attack to go away. That's my only concern here. Well, I mean, this is like one of several wives, so... you got to get rid of her. But I, I want to know what this shit is now. Cool, so you're riding with us? Tosca, I'm, I'm ride or die for life. Can you please fix the wife situation, please? Oh yeah, sure. Gypsum leans over from the middle seat and unlocks the door next to Glenda. Baby, I'm sorry, but uh, you gotta go home. And he pulls open the door and just pushes Glenda out. Oh, what are you doing? Oh. No, no, let's let's bring her home. No, it's not worth the trouble. I, they, these are a dime a dozen. Oh, oh. And he closes the door behind her. I can't just leave her here. There's nothing here. I'm going to put it in park, get out, help her back in the car. <laughs> oh, come God on. God damn it, Jenny. can't just leave her here. It seems kind of messed up. You're creating problems where there were solutions. I'm already driving back towards where we picked her up. <laughs> Look, we have like earth-shattering shit to figure out, so, like... This is, like, two minutes away. It's gonna be fine. Fine, 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 fine. And probably by the time we're done arguing, we're probably already almost there. Sure. <laughs> you you usher Glenda back into the car. Gypsum refuses to move at first to allow her entry, Are you being but eventually right gives up, and you make the short trip back to where you originally found Glenda. When you arrive, Gypsum stops staring at his new toy, the phone, just long enough to give you a bit of a quizzical look, Jenny, and says, Well, is it okay now? Yes. <laughs> Before he reaches across and opens the door again and says, Okay, baby, for real this time, though, okay? I love you forever. See you later. Bye. And he pushes her out the car, closes the door, and says, you gotta drive because I'm, she's gonna think that she can get back in if we don't. Alright guys, let's go solve a mystery. I'll head back to the pen now. You pull away, leaving the mentally broken woman laying in the street. Well, when you put it that way, you head towards the pen and it's a, a very short distance away. One that you could have probably comfortably walked, in fact. And when you arrive, what you find isn't a canal, but a clean, what appears to be a freshly paved well lit something that no streets are been really so far four lane major roadway sitting in the middle of a 
dilapidated, run-down, largely abandoned section of Florida. They're not here. This is just the apartments all over again. Yes, and I don't want to deal with that shit anymore. I want, like, a genuine solution. You look up. You are very close to where the pins are, and there are a few things that stand out to you here. You can see that on the other side of this roadway, there is an expanse of marshy grass before buildings show up again in the same run-down fashion that they were on this side of the street. But the most striking thing that you see here is in big block capital letters, graffiti, that says, Sand, stars, yet we drift on three lines. Is there a logo or anything? Like, does it look like a movie or a business advertisement or? This looks like somebody had oh, it's graffiti. the side. Yep. I'm listening, I promise. You're sure this is where the pin is? It's right here. So let's send a message and ask where they are again. If we stick with this, we should be able to get everybody together. We're doing pretty good so far. Do you think we're coming at this from the wrong angle? How? How so? Like the wrong angle physically? I don't know, but like things don't make a lot of sense right now. So maybe like we just came the wrong direction. That's an excellent and logical given the situation point. I will then start trying to drive around to like the other side or like find a different way to get to the same area. Sure, you're able to drive down the street. It's It's got a few cars that are parked on it. Nobody seems to be driving, though. Like every other place that you've encountered, there are folks here, but they all seem to be dealing with the same type of shock that Glenda was dealing with. In fact, you've seen this enough tonight that it's almost started to fade into the background. Every time you see someone, they're looking pained. They're looking bedraggled. They're looking like they are not all there. And you encounter a few cars stopped in the middle of the road as you come around the other side. And inside those, there are some people sitting and just staring blankly, their foot pressed on the brake pedal, the car running, but no movement occurring. You pull up to the other side of the street, and what exactly do you guys want to do here? You're about maybe 20, 30 yards away from that graffitied text that you'd seen from the other side of the street. I, I recognize this area. Um, you do? Yeah. So, like, the way that I generally have to live, given the state of the way my Florida was before all of this, you couldn't really stay in one place for too long. And this was a centralized place where I could sort of hide things that I didn't want to get lost in the shuffle. I've seen part of that graffiti before. It's missing some words, uh, namely, the graffiti that I know says, Sand diverge, stars converge, but we drift apart. I don't know what to do with that information, though. But I do know that I've been here and that it wasn't like this the last time that I was here. Like, everything was crumbled and broken. Maybe if if this is where the pin is, perhaps, like you were saying, Court, maybe it's like the apartments and they're here with maybe different... So if we just stay in this place know. long enough? Try... Court, try typing that into the rift. The whole phrase. Right, what did you want me to type? Sand diverge, stars converge, but we drift apart. We drift apart. Send. Bruce, your phone dings. You receive a message that is simply 
Sands diverge, stars converge. <laughs> yeah, we drift apart. Jenny's looking around like, has it changed? <laughs> Bruce, you hear the ding of the notification on your phone as a message has come through in response. And it's Court. And Court has sent you the following message. Sands diverge, stars converge. Yet we drift apart. Oh, that's sweet, I guess. Court is sending me poetry. But of course, they have just noticed the some of those lines graffitied above them, right? Absolutely. If you look around and if you remember previous descriptions here, not far from where you're at, not far from where the car is crashed, are the words diverge, converge, apart. Court sent me a poem that is like part of that graffiti. Maybe, are they up there? Hey, we're down here. There's there's no response back. This canal, this area, everything about this is eerily empty. Do we hear anything? Or is it also quiet? You can hear the sounds of a car burning not far from you. But, but beyond over that. that, not much, no. Bruce hits himself on the forehead. What an idiot I am. He's going to send a message. We're next to the burning car. Bruce, I don't think that's going to help. Do you hear that? Listen, listen for just a second. Do you hear that? The, the burning car, yeah. No, no, no. I, I'm going to send it right now. The lack of anything else. We're in the middle of a city, Orlando, Florida. A very large city with lots of people. Do you hear any people? I don't. Do you hear any cars? Jackie, as they go on and on about the lack of sounds, this seems right at home for you. There has not been the sound of civilization where you're from for a very long time. I'm just going to let them know so we can continue listen to the nothingness. Well, Well, hold on, hold on. Here's the thing. I think we are in the wrong place. Ask him. You, you can tell him about the burning car if you want to. Uh, but ask him. Oh, I do. Okay. Okay. Tell him about the burning car. But also ask if they hear sounds of civilization around them. Or if it's really quiet and just animal noises. All right. Bruce will send something to the effect of, we're right by the burning car but there are no people or other cars or noises near us. Okay, everyone keep an eye out for a burning car. That's apparently where they're at. So did they ignore our poetry that we sent them? It was really rude. It is. Agreed. Okay, tech, message them back and ask them if they see graffiti near them. Oh, okay. Um, But first they asked us to listen to see if we heard the sound of people. I don't. Do we hear people, Josh? So, no. But here's the thing. You've seen people. The night is quiet, even for the res. There's none of the shouts or cheering or the sounds of drunkenness, any of the things that you would normally associate. Instead, there seems to be an almost pregnant weight in the air, a sound of something waiting to happen. Yes, there's people. There's no burning car, 
but ask if they see graffiti, because something is really standing out to me about that. Don't worry, I've got your back. Um, yes, there are people, no, there are no sounds, we see no burning car. Tell us about your graffiti. Send. I think this is like when we were at the apartment again. I'm here, but not here. I see some graffiti diverge, converge apart. Oh, Tosca, you're right. Look, it is the other part of the thing you are talking about. Okay, so, okay, what the fuck does that mean? Oh, I have no idea. Gypsum, what do you think? I have no fucking clue what you guys are talking about. <laughs> but did you know that you can tell this thing to, to call you different things? Check this out. Hey, boo-boo, what's my name? Your name is Shri Kwan Duong, but you've asked me to call you Mr. Teeny Wieners. <laughs> <laughs> Love Gypsum. I mean, so let's let's think about this. When we ended up in the same place, there was that noise... Right, like like thunder. And they were just kind of there. And then everything just kind of shifted. Do we know what caused the sound? I don't know. I was going to say maybe the hammer, but there's really only one candidate, and I would feel bad tricking somebody into doing it again. So would anyone want to um, volunteer? I'll do it. You'll let me shoot you with the hammer. Oh, sure, why not? I'll try anything once. I have to warn it you. It killed the other guy. It, I, oh, it killed the it. guy? Oh, that was it? That's oh. the guy Tosca <laughs> murdered in the wall. Yeah, oh. I had to hit him twice, so I think if we hit you I once... I thought you said he was knocked out the first time. Right. Yeah, the, he started bleeding because he was banging his head on the floor. Yeah, don't let me do that if I start doing it. Like, get the pillow. No, and we got soft car seats, so, like... I do. We have a safety situation here. Are these real leather seats, by the way? I don't know. It should us plush, though. It's really good. Yeah. Very nice. Well, yeah, no, if it's this, like, nice leather, then yeah, I have no problem. So let's fuck it up with your blood. All right. Let's, let's do it. <laughs> I don't think it's a good idea. We can't hear you over this awesome idea we're having. You don't think anything is a good idea, Jenny. All right, go ahead and kill yourself. All right, so shoot me in the back of the head now. So I, uh, are, are, can, can we move forward with this, Josh? <laughs> Can you move? Yeah, you can do whatever the hell you want. <laughs> all right. All right. So uh, I, I, I'm going to ask uh, Court to lay in the back seat, and I'm going to pull the hammer out. I'm going to show Court the little instructions so that they know that I'm trying to do it correctly. I like the diagram. It's very nice. Yeah, it's pretty dope, right? It's like antique, kind of. So I'm, I'm, not, I'm not there, but like... <laughs> Can I can I ask uh, like does it have to be used on a people nope. like they they want they want only bad ideas. Do you see these instructions? Mhm. So, okay. I I'm, I'm just I was just okay. <laughs> can we put something in my mouth so like I don't bite my tongue off? Well, I guess we could just like hold it in the air and pull the trigger and see what happens. That actually makes more sense. Nope. Hit court in the head. All right, let's yeah, ride. Go, I mean, <laughs> okay, so I'm going to hold the hammer to the back of Court's head, and I'm going to put it at the base of the skull. And pull the Court, 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 You've had tumbles while performing. You've had issues with balance after a night of staying up with you. Really shouldn't have. You've had a lot of tumbles throughout your youth and 
stops and you come to and you remember absolutely none of it from your perspective tasca from your perspective jenny from gypsum's perspective court reels forward her head hits the upholstery of the back seat where you've laid her down to receive this and she blanks for a minute her eyes flutter and then she pops back up and her eyes open And she kind of stares blankly at the back seat. And then she seems to regain herself just as quickly. Court, you feel fine. Okay, so my sinuses have been the clearest they have ever been. And I have no idea how long. (laughs) Why did the other guy die? Try it again. I think he... Oh. Oh my god. (laughs) I don't know, like... I have, like, a weird sensation, but, like, nothing else, really. I feel fine. Have you ever, like, woken up from a dream and, like, for the first, like, minute, you're like, oh, man, I know this dream. I'm never going to forget it. But then, like, halfway through, like, a bowl of Cocoa Puffs, you're like, oh, what was it again? I kind of feel like that right now, but minus the Cocoa Puffs. Huh. And you don't have a headache or anything. No, I feel great. Actually, actually, so before I had like a small headache building, but it's gone now. I'm ready to take on the world. Shoot me with the hammer. Okay. All right, so lay down. Okay, I'm laying down. I'm going to be reading the instructions. Hold on, give me one moment. You just put it there. You pull the... I'm reading. It works like a a gun. Yeah, I know. I've never shot anyone before. I want to make sure I get it right. I like you. Oh, okay. All right, that sounds good. Uh, I can appreciate the sentiment. Okay, I got it. All right. Okay. Corey is going to put the the hammer at the base of Tosca's skull and count down from three to one. Three. Don't build it up. 
Okay. And Court just pulls the trigger. Court, you pull this trigger, and there is a deep thrum that you hear. Jenny, from your perspective, this is the same thrum that just went off, and you are starting to suspect that you have paired up with a bunch of idiots. I mean, that's obvious. This is starting to feel like a, a waste of time to you. Correct. Tosca, everything goes black. You don't know this, but what Court experienced was very much just the feeling of an intense subsonic boom happening in close proximity to their brain case. And she dealt with what was likely a jarring experience, but whatever she lacked, you very much have. What you wrought on Herman is coming home to you. This reverberation, this pounding, feels like it's knocked you clear out of your body. And you are awake and experiencing all of this in real time. You are in a space that does not seem to obey the normal dimensionality that your previous experiences have equipped you to deal with. As you reach out your hand, it feels like it's curving back towards you. But at the same time, a hand isn't the right word for this. Whatever it is you're reaching out isn't anything that you could recognize as a hand. As you are trying to get a sense of what's around you, you realize that whatever is giving you this sense, it isn't sight. It isn't your sense of proprioception. It isn't touch. Whatever you're dealing with is completely foreign to you. There's an infinity laid out before you, washing over you, immersing your every sense. Almost if by instinct, you send out a pulse, a signal, it's almost like you're reaching down to pluck a piece of candy from a bowl. And when that pulse reflects off of one of these things, the sense you get back is of a Tosca, of you, but you're separate from it. And this Tosca is not face down in a car. This Tosca is in a car and yelling. He seems to be in some kind of a scuffle with is that... And you pop into that Tosca's head. You're in a scuffle with Gypsum. Gypsum is attacking you. Gypsum isn't who he said he was. This Gypsum is not a friend. And he's got the hammer now and he's waving it around. You are wrenched out of this Tosca, and you are retracted, pulled back, reconsumed into the larger you floating above all of this. With no conscious thought this time, you pulse again. You reach yourself out, and you grab another piece of yourself. And now you're not in a car, you're not anywhere near 
something you're familiar with, but you do recognize this. You have a name, Paul, and you're a Paul with two children, a Paul with a wife and a steady job at a quick service mechanic shop, a Paul that didn't graduate, had his GED, but still did damn good for himself, and you had something to be proud of, and you're looking down at a newspaper and you're reading it and all of this makes sense and is right to you in a way that you as Tosca simply couldn't understand and it's almost like whatever piece of you that is still you that remains rejects this at this point it's almost like whatever is inside of you that is still you is fighting against it and you get ripped back and you have the briefest glimpse of this expanse and you get a sense of whatever you are right now as just a formless shapeless mass with an unfathomable amount of tendrils reached out in directions that seem to violate all sense of cardinality and that's the last thing that you see before you drop back into yourself your head pounding your nose dripping blood. You have a feeling at the base of your skull like somebody has gone in there and strangled your spinal cord. Jesus. The swelling has already begun. And you find it difficult to breathe. You find it hard to swallow. You find that your eyes refuse to focus in the way that you are accustomed to. And everything about what just happened has left you feeling like you are not who you think you are. Like you are so much more and so alien from what you actually perceive yourself to be that none of it makes sense. Do it again. (laughs) (laughs) Court, you pull the hammer back and unlike yourself, Tosca doesn't spring back. Tosca reels forward and almost immediately you can see the bloom of blood on the black leather seats of the car. You hear the spatter and the rough breathing. Tosca sounds like he's choking on his own breath. He's not gone for very long, maybe the same length of time that you were out. But when he comes back, he looks like he's gotten into a fight with a heavyweight champion. He has deep, dark circles under his eyes. There is a crescent of blood that has begun to accumulate at the corner of his mouth. You can see a dribble of more blood coming from his ear. Oh, God. What the fuck? Oh, my God. Oh, God, I think I did this wrong. Can you hear us? Hoske, what what happened? Tosca, you're heavily concussed. You don't know what's going on, but you still feel that tightness around the top of your neck. It's difficult to move your head in any direction except for staring straight forward. And much like you saw with Herman, when you go to speak, your tongue isn't moving the way that you want it to. I didn't do that to him, but we tested on me first and nothing bad happened. So why did it hurt Tosca? I don't know, but it killed a guy. I knew this was a bad idea. Will you just help me, please? Yes, what do you need? I think he has a concussion. Can you, Tosca, look at me for a second? I'm trying to look at his eyes. Obviously, I don't know 
to do the finger thing. His, his eyes are open, right? Do they, I'm assuming the pupils look dilated and all that. Yeah, looking at his eyes, they're dilated. They don't seem to be having a light response. As you're trying to gauge all this, though, probably the most jarring thing is that his pupils are of different sizes. His left pupil is about a, a good half centimeter smaller than his right pupil. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> oh my god, I've never seen anything like this before. Just sit here for a little bit. I don't know what exactly happened, but I know for regular concussion, you shouldn't move around a lot. Let's... Will you just help me clean them up? Yes, of course. Definitely. We should probably... Can we call 911? I don't know that this is... I'm going to give it a shot. You go to dial your phone... But what happens next causes you to forget that very quickly. It sounds like there is something breaking outside the car. It sounds almost as if someone is smashing crystal glasses. There's a ringing sound, like a resonance, and then a sharp snap. And those snaps are increasing in frequency and intensity every few seconds. And the resonance, the ringing, almost like tinnitus, is increasing intensity as well. Bruce, where you're at, you hear this too. And as you're looking up past the buildings, past the graffiti, past the eerie quiet night, you can see above you, in the dome of the sky, flashes of light. Bright streaks that appear and disappear, and then reappear in other spaces in the sky. It's almost as if there is something flashing against a canvas. There's no rhyme or reason to it. It does not follow the pattern of the cracking, except it does get more intense as the cracking gets louder. Blanche, as you look around, you feel something moving in the earth. You can feel the ground shifting. Court, you dial 911, but by the time you hit the room, there's no signal, there's no sense of the phone. Everything that you feel like you know has drained out of your head. And for the briefest moment, a crack sounds, and instead of the next crack ringing through the air, the space feels interminable. The deadness of it feels as if it will never end. Bruce, you know this feeling. You just left this feeling. It feels as if non-existence has swept over everything. And everything that you had once cared about, everything that had once mattered to you, matters no more. And there's no peace to it. There's no relief. There's simply a lack. And then the final crack rings. The car in which you have hammered Tosca is now at the bottom of a canal. Bruce... As you snap back into existence for the second time in less than an hour. Looking at the canal around you, it's immediately recognizable that something has changed. The dry riverbed is now concrete, and the steep slope leading back to the street has been replaced with a near-vertical cement wall. Atop that wall, there's a black wrought iron fence... And on the other side of that fence, you can see people lined up, looking off into the distance, people that appear to be hollowed out, people that seem to have no sense of being people anymore. 
The feeling of seeing these people not being people is the most disconcerting thing that you've ever encountered. Inside the car, Court, Jenny, and now Gypsum are staring down at a Tosca, and Tosca, you feel as if every piece of what you had just seen when you were in that other place is now trying to force its way into your head, and you can't handle it. This has been What's in the Rift. If you enjoyed our show, please remember to rate and review on your favorite podcast platforms. If you really enjoyed our show, you can support us directly via Patreon or join our Discord. Both links can be found at What's in the Rift. What's in the Rift is brought to you by Gas Station Drugs.